my name is Zach Weiner. I am an author. Uh, my debut novel, What We Never Had, uh, comes out on Rare Bird Books today, uh, September 13th, 2016. Um, I'm also uh, a teacher. Uh, I work with incarcerated youth, uh, a writing program called The Beat Within, um, try and give voice to the voiceless and publish a magazine every couple of weeks and incarcerated you. Um, and today I'm talking with, uh, my friend, my good friend, Abi Hassan, who is a lawyer, uh, and co-founder of the black movement law project. Um, I don't know if I have all your bona fides in front of me. If you'd like to introduce yourself as well, Abi, that'd be great. Oh, sure. Um, Anything you want yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's that's a good uh, that's a good introduction. I, I think I'm uh, I I'm, I am a lawyer. I am the co-founder of Black Movement Law Project. I also work in private practice uh, to some degree, and uh, I was formerly the mass defense coordinator with the National Lawyers Guild. Um, so right. For the past for the past while, I've been doing this kind of protest-related legal work. Fighting, fighting the good fight. Highly lucrative work, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Uh, depends on how you count. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I uh, I wanted to start out just by asking this. Uh, my first question was: um, the character of Amari in this book is uh, is based on you. You've known this for a while. You knew that I was writing a novel that. Um, that took a circumstance that we lived in the early 2000s and uh, extrapolated on that. It spun off into fantasy. Certainly, it's not it's not autobiographical in that respect that all the events actually happened. But the character uh, is based on you, and um, I was wondering uh, how you felt about that. How you felt about having a, a character in a published book now based on yourself? Um. I, 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 well, I have to read the book first, I guess, to really know how I feel. <laughs> but I did get my copy of the mail the other day, so Very um, I will have that chance soon. Um, no, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I, I've definitely read excerpts uh, that that you had provided, and then I saw your your copy and uh, got to read a little bit. And yeah, no, I think it's cool. I mean, it's it's. It's funny. It's it's always funny to see like someone else's perspective on you, in in, in a way. And like yeah. you know, so I, I I know that one of another one of the characters is based on another mutual friend of ours. So yeah. you know, I the, the it it's like I definitely pick up on that. It's like oh yeah, and like that's what he's like. <laughs> and so it's it's interesting to see like oh is that what I'm like. <laughs> But I, I really need to. I really need to read it before I really know. But I think it's. I, I mean, you know, it's like it's definitely flattering. Also, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it is. I think I. You know, I wrote it. It was. Um, I didn't intend to write a novel when I started it. I got back from Jesse's wedding that we went to together and spent a few days together uh, a number of years back, and. Um, I had told this anecdote, like probably to a, to a van full of people, uh, that this anecdote that is at the beginning of the novel, 
that we had actually lived. And that got such a response that I was like, that's, that's a really fun story to tell. I just have to write a short story about it and then I'll be done. But I, I think, um, what happened, I, I just started having so much fun, uh, with the characters, um, that it felt like a, a longer piece once I got going and they felt like they had more to say. And is it, like I said, based on you, isn't you, but I, I feel like, uh, there were there were plenty of times where I was like sitting in cafes or something and chuckling to myself, like uh, laughing out loud. And this is not a commonplace thing for me to like think of my own joke or something and then laugh out loud. It was it was kind of it was just that much fun to have your voice appear on the page and you know to have it come from somewhere else inside. It was it was an interesting experience. Huh, that's, that's very um, cool. Yeah. I was wondering also, I guess, um, how you remember that time. It's pretty specifically based in 2003 in Los Angeles. Either that period in your life or, or the, that setting specifically, like how do you look back on that time in your life? God, yeah. I mean... It was definitely like a lost era in some sense. I it was uh, it was kind of a mess, right? Like um, I feel like I I had recently graduated from college. I had spent God, what was it? I must have spent like the better part of the year after I graduated in Olympia, Washington, and. Yeah, I just didn't know what I was doing. And so it seemed like L.A. just seemed like a place. I, I had, so then I, I moved to L.A., right, that, in that spring or early summer. And kind of moved there just on a whim. Like, I didn't really have any... I had a couple friends there, but I had never really spent any time there. And you know, it's like you, you go, I went down and visited and it was just, it seemed so fun and the weather was so nice and coming from the Pacific Northwest, there was such a big change. And so mm-hmm. I, I had no business being there really, but, um, I, I just, you know, and, and we, we didn't even so really it, know it each was, other well. No, that's but, true. I, we had, yeah. I mean, there's an allusion to that in the book. Uh, even about um, you, I, 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 I think I had spent a good solid week with you up in Olympia at some point um, when I went up to visit people. That might have been it. I'm not sure if there were really yeah, any was, other times. It was, it was one of those things where it's like we both had really good mutual friends, so it was like it was yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. there's like, and, and basically, you know, I had heard so many stories about you, <laughs> like, so so I felt like I knew you kind of, um, yeah. And then we, then we spent some just dark times together, or not dark, but just like, you know, that kind of that kind of uh, lost like late adolescence where it's like neither like we're all just kind of pretending we know what we're doing in life or trying to do something, and like it was 
there's a lot of like hang time, right? Like, cause none of us had anything better to right. do than to just hang out with each other. Right. So, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, th- I think you, you can pack years of, of relationships into like a week, basically at that stage. I, 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 you know, especially with a family now, I feel like the amount of time that I spend with friends, I might, with close friends, I might spend as much, I might've spent as much time with you over a two week period as I spent with them over the last four or five years. Yeah, no, it's a really good. It's a, it's a, it's true. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, yeah. And oh, okay. So you had the friends there, but was there and uh, was there anything specifically ab- about the city that um, besides the people that you knew and the weather? I mean, was there anything that then pulled you in, or was it just like? Did you feel less connection to the, do you feel like you ever really connected with the city while you were there? Kind of just floated you know, through. I, I you know, I, I I don't know. There was you know, there's there's such a there's a lightness to LA that that I was that I liked. Um you know, there's like there, there's like the, the industry, you know, and that's attractive because it's like it's never clear how to break in, you know, and and so yeah. You know, uh, I I thought that, you know, I, uh, you, you know, you it's and it's such a networky place and like low stakes networking, right? Like the thing I love about LA is right. like everyone's nice to you because they don't know who you are and who you might be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, uh, and because the industry like doesn't require any specific CV, like you could just be some idiot at the bar and you could be really powerful or important. And so I feel like that like <laughs> creates a levity that is nice and welcoming, you know, I, I, I remember one night, one night me and Will were like at the, at the bar there and like just pretended that you say- were the producer. <laughs> you, I got to break in for a second. Just to say that Will. Okay. Sorry our mutual friend who was also the character of Bill in the book, um, thinly disguised Amari, uh, Abby and Will turned into Amari and Bill. Uh, certainly not much attempt there at, uh, at hiding <laughs> your real identity. <laughs> How far did this, did the approach work at all? Did you get some yeah. I mean the fact, yeah, the fact that like people just believe you, right? Because it's like, this these idiots could just as well be like important producers as the next idiot, right? Like so. <laughs> no, there is. I and I I feel like I even grew up seeing that aesthetic uh, amongst producers, like the the sandals and ripped shorts might might convey the kind of power that means you don't even have to dress up to to impress people. It's just your. Like I, I feel yeah. like I met m- more than one major Hollywood player who, who you know, just looked like me in my sophomore year in college or something. Yeah, it's such a West Coast thing. But yeah, um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean seriously, I I just I I I had a meeting with some with some people from, from Google the other day, and it's like mm-hmm. guaranteed the like worst dressed dudes in the room were like the like VPs, like like the most executive, <laughs> or most senior. So, but um, yeah. but but yeah, you know, I, I I don't know. I I was I did like LA. I did I did kind of fall into the spell of it. Um, 
but it, you know, I also, it's, you know, I, being such an outsider, um, like not having any kind of family connections and like my my friends that were there were like lost in their own kind of worlds. Um, yeah. And, and so it was just like, it, it wasn't, I, I just didn't have the ability to like figure it out. Like, so it was just this really kind of, it was, it was intense because it was, it was I, I, you know, it was, it was that kind of, that like one of my, you know, that existential kind of moment in life where it's like, okay, I've graduated from school. Um, what the hell am I supposed to do? But then also combined with being in a new city and like a new, uh, and not having like a lot of support kind of. So, so yeah, was, I think you know, the the support in order to be as aggressive as you need to be, in order to be as confident as you need to be, you know, that confidence, like the success I've seen oftentimes is just, it, it's, you see that confidence in people. And I, to me, it was certainly very foreign. It was not, it was nothing that I could ever really be comfortable projecting even um, into like, the amount of energy and time you had to spend in, and, you know, hearing no and, and continuing forward, uh, tough to do if you don't have like a lot of support behind you. Yeah. You know, like I, we, like I had these ideas of writing, like doing comedy writing and something like that. And I, I, and to this day, I still think I could hack it as a comedy writer, but like, you know, someone needs to pay my rent for for a few years. <laughs> if I'm going to do that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't have um, that. I don't have the discipline to work a full time job and develop a comedy career. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, uh, the other thing that that struck me about you at the time, though, I, while we were all like making a mess of things, and uh, and. I don't know, struggling to, 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 you know, to create an adult life for ourselves. Um, you had this, like, uh, you had a higher degree of awareness about what was going on in the world that we were entering into, into the society, uh, that we were, that we were jockeying for position in, um, from my perception, like you, had, like your political acumen was very high. Um, it seemed like and at that time, I mean, with one of the things that the character struggles with is it's alluded to that he was, and I'm not even sure if this is true about you, but alluded to that he was part of uh, the protests with the Iraq war. Um, and so there was a lot of disillusionment about being part of a movement that was massive, but that massively failed. Um, yeah. So I don't know, you know, and LA is not really a place that, that it's, it's such a microcosm and it's, it's like hermetically sealed. It's the industry consumes all. It doesn't really take into account that much about what's happening outside. I mean, did you feel like, like you could enter into that world and, and then I guess comedy is a way to comment on what's happening and critique it. Um, but d did you already have like that part of you that knew you were going to at some point have to like 
fight the good fight and uh and and do the kind of work that you now do that you eventually did you know i i i think that that, that your insight about kind of comedy is right like i i, I don't like I don't consider like if I think back on 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 my life or kind of my political awareness um mm-hmm. I mean I think that there's I don't I don't consider that like era or like that time like a real political moment for me like I think that in some ways like I there's some forms of politics that you can't escape right like my family is muslim like you can, mm-hmm. and then when we decide to wage war on the Muslim world as a country, like you can't escape like gaining some form of like political consciousness because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but like, like at that time, I think the, like I was much more about just like making fun of the, of the idiocy of it. Right. Like, like I, I, I uh-huh. kind of the little bit of writing I ended up doing was really just kind of like, it's basically like you could just watch Mr. Show and that's what it would be. But like, right. um, <laughs> but like just like that idea of, of that kind of, you know, and maybe similar to the daily show, but I, I'd like to think like a little, a little more cutting maybe, but I don't know. Um, like it was just like that kind of making fun of the idiots and like, right. and, and like trying to jab at the like, the bullies and the jerks that kind of seem to run the world. Um, so cr- creating something that was a little less on the nose than the daily show, not quite doing news, but, but, uh, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Like, and just kind of, you know, making fun of the like faux patriotism and, and the, just the phony kind of, the phony kind of nationalist, cheerleading like that kind of stuff like that 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 was kind of my level of political awareness so like i was like hyper i think i was hyper attuned to that stuff but i hadn't really developed any kind of analysis of the world so like what i wanted Hmm. to do was make fun of it i knew it was wrong kind of i knew like a lot of these things that were going on were wrong and like i could make fun of them but i couldn't quite understand them (laughs) like i feel like so See, I guess that's a little different from my memory. In my memory, you were already like passing me uh, Chris Hedges books or something by within like a year of that time. You know, like war is a force that gives us meaning or something. I, um, you know, I, I was uh, some book like that that was really important in my own kind of awakening. Um, I, I, this, this is just the story that I've told myself about your role in my life, it may be a little different than how things actually played out. Hey, I'll take it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But, but Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I think we were both kind of on similar political trajectories, you know what I mean? Like, like both in the, you know, um, yeah. And it's also like, has like being in that. Certainly with like, with Bush in the White House and stuff, I mean, recognizing the idiocy and being outraged was that's like you, you had to you had to comedy was really necessary because you couldn't you was either be very very depressed and dark about uh, the way things were headed or make fun of the people on your television on MSNBC or whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah, and so like that, you know, I, I that that's kind of that's kind of where I was. I was I don't I don't remember what I was reading back then. Um, I I don't think I I I definitely had not read Chris Hedges. I mean, I'm familiar with words of course with this meaning, but I definitely had not read it at that point in my life. Hmm. All right. I I know within a, a year or two then I, I fudged the details then apparently in the novel it's a little bit but uh, so I may have I may have, <laughs> I think uh, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> um, there is a. I wanted to. Uh, there's a there's a moment in the book where the character Amari has a little run in with the police, a little confrontation. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I've never heard you tell me a story about that at all, I, but I know, you know through your work, being the founder of the Black Movement Law Project, if you just, um, and, and coming from a Muslim family and having a, a long history at this point, uh, of feeling oppression, whether it's directed at you or at your community, um, did you have experience with police that was negative that sort of that shaped this at all, or was it, or is it most most of your, um, is it more being an ally with the victims of police violence that's motivated you? You mean back then? I mean, like, I guess back sure back then or since then. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you, know, back, you, you lived in Olympia for four years. Actually, like you lived in Olympia for four years, which is a pretty white town, and and had a little more, like, what's a delicate way to say it's like rural uh, sentiment or something than I anticipated um, when I traveled there. I know it's a college town, but it's also uh, a blue collar town. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you, I mean, did you yeah, have any experiences I, with the police there? I didn't really have much encounters with police in Olympia, frankly. Like, you know, I think a lot of it is because I didn't... The only time in my life I've ever owned a car was when I lived in L.A., and that was for, like, two months. So, right. uh, like, if you don't have a car, you avoid the police a lot. <laughs> like, you know, I, I've actually... I mean, in New York, you know, the, like, I've, I've probably been stopped and frisked once back when they were really uh-huh. big on that. Um, but... Like, you know, the, the times that I've dealt with and had, like, very close encounters with the police have mostly been, like, where I fully was aware of it. Like, I was at a place where I knew, that, specifically because I thought the police would be there, like, in, in my capacity as a lawyer or doing legal support. I've had a few, yeah. like, involuntary police interactions, you know, but nothing you know, nothing worse than like a stop and frisk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think that in, in Olympia, you know, I, yeah, there wasn't, I didn't really have, I didn't really deal with the police very much in Olympia. Then when, when you went to law school, when you made that decision, were you, did you have some conception of where you were going to take your degree afterward or was it just like a, another choice that you made because we're supposed to be fucking grownups and make some money and have a career and you can argue well? 
Yeah, you know, I I I had a vague sense of like do-gooderism going into law school. I think like I I, I you know I, I figured I didn't want to be like a total like corporate shill. And yeah. um and yeah, so and you know I had some friends who like specifically told me they would not like me if I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe not, maybe not that straightforwardly, but like, we're like, you can't do that. <laughs> I want to, I want to um, make sure I can still be friends with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but you know what? I mean, the the thing is, like, going back to what we were saying before, like, I didn't really know anything about how the world worked. Like, the trick about going to like hippie schools and living in like kind of alternative indie rock communities is like, you don't ever learn how the world works. Like you don't learn how like systems of power work. Like, and I think that like actually like kind of like the conversation we had about comedy just a minute ago, like, you know, you don't learn how the world works, but you do learn that it's like artistic self-expression is really important. Right. And so, (laughs) so I feel like, so I feel like I, I was like so unprepared going into law school for like the real world, like mechanics of how, of of just how, of just how power operates, of how like, of, of how like the, the, I don't want to like dignify it by saying adult, but kind of like, like of how power works, I think. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, Do you think that kind adult- of takes like the, does that kind of take the teeth then out of modern art? If so much of it is born out of a, of kind of a protected space in which maybe self-exploration is really valued, but without that understanding of the world, like, can it have real, is, is most of it irrelevant at this point? Or? <laughs> I don't know if I'm qualified to answer that question. Um, <laughs> I can give you a lawyer's answer. I think you have to take it on a case by case basis. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I mean, you know, frankly, to tell you the truth, like the artists who I know, who I have the most respect for, are people who have lived through, like, who ha- didn't grow up in that, right? Like people who came from like very different circumstances, like who yeah. ha- who who have like gives you a more cutting analysis, right? And, like, even if it's just visual art, it's, like, the, the, there, there's a depth to it, I think. And, and you know, look, it's, it's, I also, I'm coming to their art knowing their background, right? So, so who right, knows? Right, right. But, like, <laughs> but, like, that's part <laughs> of the art in my, in my mind, right? Like, I mean, you can't eliminate context from anything. So, yeah. so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, it, it if you have a political analysis of the world and that includes that's included in your like analysis of art and like, you know, that someone is like some rich kid that is like, <laughs> that's like grown up in the lap of luxury. Like you bring that to like, that's an inextricable part yeah. of like your experience of their art in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like I recognize that. I work with a, a lot of, I work with private students as well as with kids in the hall, and it's a, a, 
a bias towards like the the writing that comes out of uh, those kids who have dealt with like real conflict versus uh, some kids who, who haven't you know don't know one hundredth of that yet. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, like you know, I don't critique them. I, I don't. I don't begrudge them. I, I don't hold it against them. Uh, everybody has their own experience, and they have to live there. You know, they're they're not making a choice here. They're just raised in it. Uh, but it is. It's harder to stomach sometimes the writing uh, mm-hmm. of, of kids but, who have been raised with such yeah, privilege. And frankly, the kids without privilege, like your, you know, your attention is worth more to them. <laughs> right, right. Because the other kids get plenty of attention. <laughs> like they're going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> they get they get praised plenty. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that's I, you know, to me that it's, it's like that's so much of like when I'm talking about like systems of power, or whatever. Like, what, one of the first jobs I got out of law school was working in um working working in New Haven, Connecticut and like um with you know the home of Yale University and like you know they just spend you just spend four years as an undergrad being told that you're the smartest person in the world and then you come out and do well. It's like okay like <laughs> like that works. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Like encouragement works. Like it, it really like self confidence. Like uh, all that shit. Like that really. It it, it 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 like, you know, most people out. You know that. You know you when you go in and you like, into the real world and you realize like, most just about everyone's just kind of faking it till they till they make it and like some of them have been told that like they deserve it and others have been told that they're shit. You know like that explains like like half the like. <laughs> Half of like educational disparities in the in the in this country as as far as I can tell. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I mean, obviously, those connections are being made with younger kids now. You throw in school suspensions and things like that on top of it, the way behavior is treated. Uh, yeah, the disparities yeah. in that certainly reflects yeah. that. Um. All right, man. I I want to start wrapping up, but I, I have a few more superficial kind of questions I want to get to just to see what comes up. Um, okay. You uh, live in New York. I do. Uh, I want to know what you see when you look out your window. What do I see when I look out my window? Um, yeah. Well, I see my neighbors. Oh, <laughs> nice day like today are generally hanging out on the porch. Um, what neighborhood know. specifically are you? I'm in like Flatbush, Lefferts area, kind of, uh, if you're familiar with Brooklyn, um, like east of, the, of Prospect Park. Yeah, okay. All right, um, here's another one for you. Uh, What's your greatest fear? My greatest fear? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's like climate change. <laughs> 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 that's, 
is pretty large. Like, just think about it this way: when half of Florida is in, like, is is like inhospitable to life, that means all mm-hmm. those motherfuckers are going to be coming up and messing with us. Like, empty the population yeah. of Florida into the rest of the U.S. That's a disaster on yeah. its own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You have to, for the listening audience, um, you have a, a Rodney Dangerfield tattoo. Can you tell us about the, the origin, you know, the story behind that? You really, really had to, like, help. I had to the do 35, it. The, Don't worry. The 35 you people listening to about my tattoo. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know that. <laughs> which which era of your life was that born out of? Is that is that recent? I mean, is that is that a vestige of the guy that wanted to write Mister Show episodes, or is it something that you know is? Do you have to stay true to that guy? Yeah, like, are you saying emotionally or chronologically? Because chronologically, <laughs> it's not from that time, but like. <laughs> I, you know, I, to, to steal a line, um, it's, it's the only tattoo I regretted before I got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Um, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you taking time out of your very important and meaningful work to, to do this. And thank you for, uh, being the inspiration for a character who delighted me for many months, years even, while I was working on this manuscript. Oh, well, thanks, Zach. I really appreciate it. It was nice talking to you.